developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Hey friends, this is Dr. Lynn, and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today, visiting with us is Miriam Laundrie, and today we're going to talk about embracing a new chapter with visualization. To embrace a new chapter, first, you have to see it in your mind. And those of you who uh, listen to many of my podcasts know that visualization is a big deal for me, and uh, it's been my life's work as well. But let me first share a little bit of information about Miriam. She's the founder of ML Publishing, the author of five best-selling and award-winning children's books, a TEDx speaker, and not to mention, we'll find out later, she holds a Guinness World um, Record holder in something that I don't know yet. It is Miriam's mission to give authors the knowledge and confidence they need to publish their children's book and make a positive impact on the younger generation. Now Miriam dedicates her time helping writers get their books published and in the hands of children who need it. Her company, Miriam Laundry Publishing, has published over 50 children's book and books and still counting. Authors who partner with Miriam gain more than just their first best-selling publica- uh, publication. They also gain lasting friendships, a strong community, and the courage to chase their dreams. Miriam firmly believes quality children's books can change the world. She has been featured on the morning show, show Earn Your Happy with Lori Harder and more. So Miriam, welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Thank you so much for having me. It's certainly a pleasure, and I'm so excited about what you're doing in getting books out there, especially children's books, especially in these times when we're hearing about banning books, and we can talk about that later. But let's uh, learn a little bit more about you. I mean, you're an author and a publisher, but that's not where you started and what your original uh, dreams were. Can you tell us how you got there? Yes, yes, of course. Uh, Everything started for me, or, or the thought of becoming a children's book author started in 2012 for me. That was a pivotal year. I I have always been an entrepreneur and have had different businesses, but at that time in 2012, I gave birth to my son, my fourth child in June. And then the following day, we lost my 17 year old niece. She died by suicide. And as you can imagine, this was, thank you. This was very tough for my family and it was very tough for me. I was going through the baby blues and the loss and grieving I wasn't in a good place. And, and luckily, my husband noticed this. And he suggested that I attend 
um, a conference, a seminar, a self-esteem building seminar that we had both attended the previous year. And that was being taught by Jack Canfield. It was called Breakthrough to Success. And I, I decided to go. I left the kids and I went. And that week was amazing. Of course, Jack Canfield is the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul and the Success Principles. And it was a week full of positivity, working on ourselves, identifying our dreams, you know, all that good stuff. And I just kept thinking that week, this is amazing. I wish I would have learned this when I was younger. Where would my life be had I learned this when I was younger? And I kept thinking about my kids at home. I wanted to go home and, and give them something better. I wanted to go home and teach them a little something of what I had learned in hopes that, you know, they wouldn't have to learn it at the age that I was learning it. So I, um, it was on the flight home that I decided, okay, I can't just come home and dump the information on them. I need to be creative. So I decided I was going to teach them to let go of the word can't. Where would they go in their lives if they just completely eliminated the word can't and just, you know, had an I can mentality. So I decided I was going to write a story. I wrote a little story on the flight home incorporating that I can message. And that's how my career really started as a children's book author. It was nothing I had thought of before I got home. Of course, that was a first draft. There was a lot of work. There was a big learning curve, but, but I really wanted to make a difference in their lives. And I wanted to make a, a difference in the lives of other children. And I, you know, I just kept thinking about my niece and, right. and how things could have been possibly prevented. Well, that's such an interesting story. And that's actually, you may not know this. This is how we, you and I actually met was through Jack Canfield connections. Um, I've taken his so. courses. So. Yep. I t I've taken some of his courses and he was very instrumental and he doesn't know this personally, but he was very instrumental in helping me write my first book, see it, say it, do it, visualize, declare, and take action. And it was through his uh, his emails and you know a lot of the things that we we see online that I learned about you, and that's what you know I really got interested in what you were doing because I saw such a similar perspective of the power of visualization and where you were directing that with kids and children's books. So uh, I wanted to share that story with you because, uh, and I'm so glad you mentioned Jack's name because. Uh, he impacted me greatly as well. And you probably know Dr. Deb Sandella um, yes. from some of us. Yeah, she was my mentor, a friend, and she's been on the podcast too. But it was her oh, personal cool. work. Yeah, that moved us along. So we have a lot of uh, similar background, which is really interesting. We've done real different things with it. And that's that's truly the value of great uh, mentoring and coursework is that when you have the foundation of especially visualizing, then your own personal passion and dreams really can take place. So um, I'd like you to, from your perspective, tell us about how you see visualization, how you use it and, you know, how it's worked for you. Yeah. So, and, and this is one of the things that I learned through Jack Canfield. Thank you for sharing that. I, I think he doesn't realize how many lives he has touched, but as you said, it's the power of having a great mentor that that helps us all stay a little bit more focused on our lives, 
figure out what we want from it and then go and achieve that. And for me, visualization has really helped with that. But probably the first time that I got serious on, on visualization or when I've used it the most was right after I wrote my book, I set a goal, a big, hairy, audacious goal that I wanted to empower over, I wanted to empower 100,000 children. That was my number, 100,000 children to believe in themselves. And I didn't know how I was going to achieve that goal because I had, I was a brand new author. It was a big number. I had just started visiting schools, doing presentations, and it would have taken me years to reach that many children. And I had a goal, 100,000 kids by a certain day. Um, Somehow I I figured out that I had to think bigger than that. And I decided I was going to go for a Guinness World Record because I was going to plan this big event where 100,000 children would be, would be empowered by, by my book. I can believe in myself. So at that time, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I hired a coach and one of the things that we would do, we would do together was visualize during our calls. And then I was, my homework was to visualize every single day. So I would do quick visualizations. I had the goal to empower 100,000 children through this Guinness World Record. And I would put an alarm on my phone every single day, a couple of times a day for three to five minutes, where I would just close my eyes. You know, I would first read my affirmation and close my eyes and I would visualize how it would happen. So I would first see a, a, like a bird's eye view of a lot of children, a hundred thousand children. So a lot of children in their homes, reading my book with their parents. And, and like I said, this was all over the world that I would see this bird's eye view. And then my visualization would take me to the moment that the Guinness adjudicator would call my name I would go on stage. So I'm just sharing what was going on in my mind, but this is how I visualize. Which you is know, great. It's very important to, yeah. It's very important to feel the feelings that I would feel if it was happening. So when I heard the Guinness adjudicator announce my name, I would feel my knees shaking and going up the stairs to get on stage and looking at the crowd. So I would feel those emotions. Um, and then my voice, you know, also shaking as I thanked people from stage. And, and then I would move on to the next part. I had the Guinness record and then we went out for dinner and celebrated. And then this is all happening in my mind. So I knew the restaurant we were going to go to, you know, my husband and I were seated at the table and I would kick my mind through grabbing the napkin, putting it on my lap reaching out for a glass of cold water and what that would feel like on my fingertips. So completely imagining what would be happening. And I did this several times a day, every day. And, you know, what happens is you, you first have to see it in your mind to actually see it in reality. And then you start, somehow you start attracting the people, the resources, the opportunities that you need to achieve that goal. And that's what happened with the Guinness World Record. The, the people I needed just kind of appeared out of nowhere, if you really, if I'm being honest. You know, the more people I would tell that I was going for this Guinness World Record and why I was doing it, people started introducing me to people they knew that, were, that had a similar mish, mission as I did. 
Um, and I can specifically think about this one gentleman who, who said to me, okay, I, I love what you're doing. Do you mind if I share your story with somebody in Switzerland? And I said, of course, go ahead. And then all of a sudden, this gentleman from Switzerland gave me a call and he asked me why I chose May 7th as my day to go for this Guinness World Record. I said, well, it's during Mental Health Awareness Week in Canada and that's the day that I chose that. That's how I chose that number. And he said, well, it's interesting because um, I'm part of an organization that celebrates May 7th as the Winspiration Day. This is a day where people go for their dreams and, um, and we have been looking for somebody to give an award to. And we want to give you this award. It's $5,000 and, and <laughs> we want to promote what you're doing. Exactly. I was, I, was, I was floored. But that's the thing. The people, the resources that you need start showing up. And of course, I, I said, thank you so much. And, you know, we continue to talk. And one day during our call, he said to me, um, well, he connected me with the with the CEO of another organization that also wanted to support me. And they kept tabs on me because we planned this for nine months, this Guinness World Record. They kept tabs on me. And one day during our call, he said, so what's happening right now for you? And I said, well, I'm looking for sponsors. I need to raise so much money to bring this Guinness adjudicator to our town. And, you know, there's always finances involved. And he said, well, oh, my dear, what, what is it that you need? So I gave him the number and he said, let me take care of that. So he started. Um, so it's, it's a big organization. They started promoting and sharing what I was doing. All of a sudden, they had a GoFundMe campaign set up and they raised the money for me because they got really, really aligned with my vision of empowering 100,000 children. But I really believe so going back to the visualization. If I had not started visualization, visualizing all of this happening and the way it was going to happen, I wouldn't have met the people I needed to. They just right. kind of appear and, and came alongside me and supported me. So that's the best example I can give you of when I have visualized and, and, it's, and it worked in such a wonderful way because it wasn't for me. It was for all of these children. So we did set the record. The record that I have is for the largest online book discussion in a 24-hour period, which meant that kids in 29 countries, it ended up being in 29 countries, were reading the book. And in those 24 hours, they went on a blog and left a quick comment about something that they can do, something that they were going to go for, a new goal. And it was incredible to read so many blog posts from children, you know, things like, I can ride my bike without training wheels, or... I can get an A on my math test or, you know, it's like I can tie my shoelaces, you know, whatever it was. Um, but all of that came from visualizing. Powerful story. And I mean, it just, I, I get chills even um, hearing you share that. And there were a couple of things I really wanted to, you know, unpack a little bit. One, when you visualized, it was very multi-sensory and a lot of people think visualizations just see a picture in your head. And that's a traditional uh, term uh, and explanation, but you described it when multi-injury, uh, multi-sensory, you saw it, mm -hmm. you talked about feeling the emotions, the temperature, you know, space, all of these uh, 
things were included. And and there's neurologic research that shows that when when you visualize, it actually activates parts of the brain. And the brain doesn't know if they're really seeing it in real life or you just created it. So you're getting practice, rehearsal. Um, so your story was just amazing. And, you know, a lot of people, if they've never done this kind of work, would look at that and go, yeah, right. How does that happen? But just the awareness of opening up, I, I could tell you stories. My book happened that way as well. Uh, I didn't know how to write a book. I didn't know how to do this. And as soon as I created but I got to get the information out so millions of parents can help their kids. People started showing up in my life. And um, and I, I just call it everyday miracles now happen like that yeah. when, when you create. And not only did you create, but you kept declaring it happening. You spoke to people and you took the action, which, you know, is actually what, you know, the title of my book, see it, say it, do it. So you did a that's what, what I really learned a lot from Jack. You saw it, you visualized, declared, and took action, and what results you got. Um, so after that, how many books now have you written for yourself? So I've written five children's books, three of them I self-published, and then I was and then I traditionally published two books. And for the fourth book, I decided that I was going to ask Jack Carefield to co-author that book with me. And of course, you know that I visualized that happening. I, <laughs> I didn't have as much time as I did for the Guinness World Record. It was just a quick visualization of, I would say it was about a 24-hour um, time that I waited for a response. But I remember I, was, I had decided my fourth book, I wanted to traditionally publish the book. And I had given myself a deadline. It was Sunday. It was Sunday night that I, had, that I told myself I was going to send it into a traditional publisher. And somehow in the shower that morning, I got, think bigger, think bigger, and what's your dream with this? And I thought, well, if I'm going to think bigger, and, and, my, and, and, and what do I really want? I, I thought, I want to co-author co this book with Jack, because he was so influential in me becoming a children's book author. So I sent him a quick email. Before I hit enter, <laughs> before I, 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 I sent it off, I always do this for important emails. I just close my eyes and I visualize what will happen once I hit enter. I actually visualize the threads and I don't know, I'm making this up in my mind, but how this email is going to go up into wherever and then it's going to go into Jack's inbox. And when he opens it, he's going to read it. And I just visualized him saying yes. And that is exactly what happened. I mean, it doesn't always happen, but I keep practicing this, especially for for the things that are important to me. He ended up saying, yes, he would co-author the book with me. He, he loved the story and that's the story of the big bad bully. Um, so I, we were traditionally published with that book and then our publisher took on my very first book and they published that book also. They republished it. Um, wow. I am, yeah, I'm saying things like they happen quickly, but I want to make sure that your audience knows I feel the need to say this because there there may be some people listening who are fearful of approaching somebody or fearful of going for their dreams, whatever that may be. And, and I want to say that when I decided to write the first children's book, I was full of fear. I was overcome by fear. I was a very quiet person, very reserved. 
but somehow, and it's being in communities with people who are positive, who are going for their dreams. You know, I kept going back to Jack Canfield events because I felt like I was plugging into that positivity that I needed. And when you do that, it just, for me, at least, it allowed me to, to do the things that were very fearful and that I was afraid to do. But that fear started going away. After you do something a couple of times, I feel like, well, at least for me, I just, I became a little braver. I feel like, and, and this is what I tell my kids, all you need is 60 seconds of courage. Send that email, talk to that person, ask for whatever it is that you need. And if they say yes, wonderful. And if they say no, that's okay. So I, I don't know why, but I felt the need to, to tell you that because it's, it, you know, it's, it all sounds great, but there's also a lot of internal things that I had to overcome. And, and that was, that was helped a lot by putting myself in those communities of people who were supporting, who were positive, who were also going for their dreams, right? You see somebody else write their book, you get inspired. Yeah. And when you see somebody else start that business, you get inspired. So. Well, I think yeah. what you mentioned is very, very important. And I'm so glad you did. Because uh, fear runs many of our lives. I'll speak about myself, mm -hmm. but fear can either totally stop me from taking action. And I've had to learn, uh, whether it's for my health care, for my business, for my books, mm -hmm. um, strategies, and, and a lot of this work. And people can get this, this type of work through many different means. I mean, you and I did Jack Canfield. I've done a lot of other work, including RIM and Landmark. But it's to be open to looking at yourself to begin with. And that's a scary thing for a lot of people, including myself, like, hmm, I'm really scared here to be able to identify those emotions, see them. And, you know, when we get back from our break, which we'll have in just a couple minutes, I want to talk a little bit about some of the negative things that happen with visualization. You have told us fabulous stories, but, you know, visualization is so power, uh, powerful it's really how we how we visualize, how we deal with that. And there are just so many strategies from breathing, relaxation, um, but communication. The other thing that I heard you say is how you communicated and you were vulnerable and opened up to the world. And what happened were people literally fell in your lap, giving you things you didn't even sometimes necessarily know to ask or know how to ask. And, and then there they were. So I think you're bringing in this fear piece because um, I do a little visualization when I'm with a group is to visualize a world where there was no fear. Now, I don't like using no fear because the mind hears fear. But what what would happen if there was just no constraints, no restrictions, nothing that would be fearful or scary? What can you create then? And that's when your mind can go crazy and being aware of that and being okay with it going crazy is really what we want to see you know the funnier the the bigger you kept using the word thinking bigger is just essential mm -hmm. so we're going to take a break here in uh, just a few seconds and when we come back we'll continue on with the power of visualization and what's up for you next so hang on we'll be right back Dr. Lynn will be right back after this.
your child see, really see, more than 2020? Does your child struggle in school, have trouble with tracking when reading, or resist writing? Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's award-winning book, See It, Say It, Do It, provides parents and teachers with specific tools and strategies in visualization and processing. Improve and empower your child's learning and performance in school, sports, and play. Get See It, Say It, Do It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Vision Beyond Sight will help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Join Dr. Lynn each week for a new exciting episode, Vision Beyond Sight. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's book, 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance, has identified the top 50 ways for you to achieve excellent results in any sport activity, enhance eye-mind-body coordination skills, achieve the mental edge, prevent injuries. This book belongs in every athlete's or coach's sports bag. Get 50 tips to improve your sports performance on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. And we're having a delightful conversation with Miriam Laundry, who's the author of five best-selling and award-winning children's books. And she's also a publisher, which we'll talk about in just a second. Uh, before the break, we were talking about visualization and allowing ourselves to be open to miracles. And she's shared such beautiful, you know, humongous stories of how how she's created her life that way and, and many of her successes. But we do have to also be cautious that, you know, visualization can be dangerous. Tell us about that. You know, why, why do you say that? And give us some examples of that. Yeah, so to me, visualization is really just about thinking about something that could happen, right? And you're, you're putting yourself in that moment. And it could be a very positive thing when we're thinking of the best outcome. But sometimes, I believe that I know for all of us, we allow our minds to go down a rabbit hole of imagining the worst possible thing, right? And that is a negative way of visualizing, right? All we're doing is thinking, but we go down a rabbit hole. So for example, um, somebody that maybe wants to start a new business, they start imagining that people will say, what people will say about this new venture. Um, maybe they imagine their dad 
reminding them how most businesses fail in the first year, or you think of, about how you will not be able to make any money, and then your mind goes a little bit further, you won't be able to put food on the table for your family, how your spouse is going to leave you, how your children will hate you, and you end up feeling like you like you want to throw up, like your chest is hurting, and you never end up taking that risk, that leap into something that was important to you. So I think that, of course, we know thinking negatively like that, it is a form of visualizing, and it's just going down that negative rabbit hole. Or, you know, for some of my authors, sorry, Lynn, were you going to say something there? I was, um, you know, the negative rabbit hole. This is so true in something like sports. When you have an athlete mm-hmm. who, and thinking is different than visualizing, that's the language piece of it, and visualizations more in the imagery, different parts of brains, but they both work together or against each other. So, you know, if you're a gymnast and all you can do is see yourself fall off the beam, fall off the beam, I'm going to fall off the beam. Then you verify it, the say it piece as well. Guess what's going to happen when you get up there? Good chance you're going to fall off the beam. So I think it it just demonstrates the power of visualization, be it positive or negative. And the difference is, and this is where when I work a lot of kids in vision therapy, they don't realize they have the power over their imagery and their thoughts. They think like when they, they're seeing, I'm going to fail this test, I'll say, what does that look like in your mind? They go, oh, I'm getting an F and the teacher's laughing and the kids are laughing. I go, well, who created those pictures in your mind? And they'll say, my mom, you know, or my teacher, and not realize that they have the power of shifting those pictures. And and so I think it's really important to talk. I think it just demonstrates the power of visualization. And when you empower yourself like you do and you see what you want and it happens and you declare it, look what happens in the world. But the the you know, total opposite can happen if you use your power in a very negative way. So thank you for bringing that on. Was there anything else you wanted to add to that? No, just that, exactly what you just said. I love how you put that. And it's, we just need to know that we're in control of our thoughts and how powerful they can be. So they can take us one way, which I think our, um, for, for a lot of people, that is the usual thing, right? We start thinking negative because we have that big bad bully in our mouth, in our minds, the doubt, the fear, all of that, that start bringing us down this rabbit hole of negativity. So it's exactly like you said, we need to know that we're in control and let's shift that. Well, what would it look like if it was going to be something great? What would it look like? And then we start imagining those things, the positive things. And that's, we're just shifting our, our focus from the bad to the good. And why not give the good all of our focus and then really start feeling those things so that we, they become a reality. Yeah, that's great. What you focus on you know, persist. So if you keep focusing mm-hmm. on bad stuff, no surprise, bad stuff keeps showing up like that. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your transition from being a, an author to a publisher. You know, how did that pivot happen for you? Yes. Well, through, you know, through the years, people would reach out to me who wanted to write children's books and ask if I could read their story or if I could, um, let them know what's the next thing they're supposed to do because there's a lot of 
there's a lot of questions. As, as you probably know, when writing your adult book, there's, there are so many things we don't know. So um, people started asking me if they could, um, you know, hire me for an hour so that they could pick my brain. And I eventually just thought, okay, I, my, it was my husband that said, how much time are you spending going out for coffee with all these people or getting on a call? And I calculated one week, and it was a lot of time. So he said, you know, you have a business there. So I thought, okay, maybe there is something. So uh, now what I do is I decided to start with six students who I a mentor to write, publish, and market their children's books. That went really well. And then I decided to open my publishing company. It was in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. But we perfect. were doing everything virtually. <laughs> it was, you know, it was perfect. It was perfect for me. And it was, it was one of those miracles that you mentioned. Because having four children, three of them teenagers at the time, I was driving them to sports and activities every single night, one of the children, every single night. But when the pandemic hit, and in Canada especially, we were in lockdowns for about two years. So I, I knew that I, was, I, was, I had been given this opportunity of time. That was my gift. I didn't have to drive kids anywhere. They were home. So I could focus on working on this publishing company and really helping authors believe in themselves, work through their stories and publish their books. And so that's what I do now. That's what I do full time. And I absolutely love it. I, I have an amazing team. Um, I have an amazing team and we're able to help a lot of people fulfill their own dreams of publishing their children's books. And what I've learned doing this is that people have wanted to publish their books for years. Like I, for me, it was a, a quick thing, but I've met people who have wanted to publish their books for the last 20 years or to write a children's book, 30 years, 40 years. I worked with a lady who had a goal since she was nine years old and she published wow. a book with me at 59, 50 years later. And you can imagine what that moment was like for her. This, was, this has always been her dream. It, it's just so rewarding and I just absolutely love it. Now, are you working with authors who are writing things beyond children's books, not just children's books? I'm only working with children's book authors. That is okay. what I know. That's what I have done. And, you know, I go back to why I do things. And, and for me, it was about empowering these children. I truly believe that we can change the world with children's books. If we can get to children we're at that when they're at that critical age, six, seven, eight, we know studies show that by the age of eight or nine, children have already made up their minds about who they are in the world. They, they've made up their minds if they're smart or not, good looking or not, sporty or not. So I, I want to make sure we get to them younger than that. So that's why I focus on picture books also picture books, which are for children four to eight years old. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's uh, exciting. We're reaching a lot of children. Yes, I think that's so great. There's a friend and colleague of mine who I just interviewed a couple weeks ago uh, who writes children's books for vision so they can learn about going to the eye doctor and if they have vision problems. Uh, I'm going to connect you two because um, she's got that passion to get the information out. And I think you've got some great mm -hmm. strategies for the, the publishing and also. So that's great. So is this the new chapter for you being the publisher or, or what else is out there for you? 
Well, being the publisher is a big one, and I, I love it. We're going on our third year of, of having this publishing company now. And my next thing is I am hosting an in-person event. So this is, and that's happening this September. This has been a goal for me for many, many years, but it's not something that I've done yet. I, I have changed my life because of going to in-person events. Zach Canfield, I did a lot of Tony Robbins. I've done a lot of other things. And it was being in those rooms, taking me away from my home was important, away from my kids and my husband, because being in those events allowed me to work on myself. And then seeing how other people live, just being inspired by other people, of course, by the speakers, and then the community that's built and the communication that continues after that. I've always had a dream of putting my own event together or I'm facilitating that for people. So I am being courageous because it is, I had, I should say, some fears around this when I decided I was going to do it. Now we're into it, into the planning, and I don't feel as fearful anymore. But yeah, I'm hosting my first event in September. It's called Believe Live. And that's a little bit of my next chapter. And that's what I hope to do, to work with people there. Um, it's called Believe Your Next Chapter is Waiting, for people to work on the next chapter of their lives. Isn't that great? And so it's going to be a three-day event, is that correct? It's a three-day event in Niagara Falls, Canada. Uh-huh. I. I come to the U.S. for so many events. I think it's time to have all of you come to Canada to enjoy. You know, I tell people, book a day, come a day before or stay a day later and visit Niagara Falls. It's beautiful. But it's all about those three days are about working on ourselves, working on that next chapter, working on the vision of our lives that we want, and then putting that into action. Well, that is so exciting. yeah. What's your goal? How many people, you know, are you uh, are you visualizing that will be coming? Yes, I'm visualizing a hundred people. Thanks for uh-huh. asking because you know I've been visualizing, and we are. I think we're at about thirty people. We've just started announcing it, so I, you know, so this is specifically for authors or aspiring children's book authors. We are not going to be doing any writing, so it's not a writing workshop. But I know that what stops aspiring authors from publishing their books, from finishing and publishing their books, and what stops authors who have published their books from getting to the next level is their mindset. It's their mindset that affects everything. So that's specifically what we're going to be working on during those three days. You know, identifying the visions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's the future. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I was just going to so say that's... identifying that vision for their future and then how to make that vision a reality. So that's what we're going to be working on. Yeah. Well, I think it's fabulous. And our show notes will have the link, but why don't you uh, uh, mention how they can reach you just for information, your books, uh, and especially this event coming up. Yeah, perfect. So I'm, Online, miriamlaundry.com. Laundry, just like it sounds like, think of your clean laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Miriamlaundry.com forward slash believe. 
is the name of the event. And of course, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I'd love to connect with all of you, anybody that is thinking about visualizing or who wants to empower children who feel they have a legacy that they want to share with the next generation. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, that's really great. You know, it's funny, and we talk about synchronicity and visualizing. You said it's time people come to Canada. Um, and next week, I actually am speaking in Canada on visualization. So I I took oh, that good. up before you even said that. <laughs> Small world again. Oh, good. Yeah, yes. which Where is great. Where will you be in Canada? It's for our um, Vision Therapy, College of Optometrists and Vision Development in Toronto, um, our conference. Excellent. And so, uh, you know, one of those miracles when you talked about your book was when I wrote my book, first book in 2009, um, I was speaking on visualization to the same group. And my book coach okay. said, now you need to sell it at the meeting. And, you know, at professional meetings, uh, that often was not done, especially in medical meetings. And I spoke to the board and the educational, um, the executive director. So they allowed me, it happened to be, you know, it just happened to be in Denver. It happened that my family could help me. It happened, you know, all those things just happened in 2009. Um, it happened that my books came to me one week before the event. You know, there were so many little miracles that happened. And on that, after I spoke and we set up a table outside the room, we ended up selling 900 books at the event, which, wow. you know, I thought that. I thought that was nice. And I told my book coach that not knowing anything about you know, marketing, selling, whatever, but these were my colleagues and that do this kind of work. And so I didn't even create that piece. I just uh, saw it Amazing. would change you know, thousands of people's lives. And, and that was the miracle that happened to me, you know, with my book about visualization. So it really touches me because I'm going back to that same group now. It's, uh, like uh, 14 years later, uh, to talk about visualization again. So uh, you've just brought up some just very uh, endearing and um, special moments for me that really, you know, it was all about visualization and following your dreams and how that can work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's and so great. That's so great. Thank you. And one last thing before we just have a couple minutes left. What are the things, and you brought up fear as something that blocks a lot of people. I noticed, and I think it was this week's blog that you sent out, you mentioned something about kind of like the power of making mistakes. And, you know, mm -hmm. making mistakes for a perfectionist sounds like the death wish. And, and, and share a few things about why making mistakes actually is so important and helpful for people. Yeah, yeah. I think if, if if we can start normalizing that it's okay to go for something, even if we even if we know the outcome, if, even if we don't know the outcome, I should say, because we tend to do the things that we know that we're good at, so we never end up trying new things. But giving ourselves permission to go for something and make a mistake if we need to, that teaches us so much. It teaches us that mistakes are not failures it teaches us that you know that we've survived that and we can go for something else you know um that's one of the things that I tell my children it's okay to make mistakes and it's one of the things I tell the authors 
you don't have to have the perfect manuscript when you submit it. I give you permission not to submit it perfectly because it's what stops us from taking action. You know, I work with some authors who are so overcome by that fear that it has to be, um, that they're going to make a mistake because they feel like it has to be perfect. And they take months and months perfecting this first manuscript before submitting it um, for an analysis. But that just wastes a lot of time. So I tell them you have permission to submit it not perfectly. So you'll get an analysis and then you can go and work on that. So when you go for something and you fail, that's the time to ask yourself, well, how can I do that differently? I, I believe that that's better than never attempting it at all. So this is why I, I say it's okay to make mistakes. It's absolutely okay. Yeah, I think that's such an important point, um, not just for your authors, but it's paralyzing, you know, for kids, uh, bright, especially bright kids, and um, and it, and it it can stop us right there. So I love how you, yeah. you know, speak so openly about it and and acknowledge. Uh, that all is good by doing that. You know, what are the questions that I often will end with this podcast? And you've already told us this, but I'd love to hear your, your answer that if you had magic glasses to see the world through the lens of clarity, courage, and confidence, what would your world look like? Yeah, believing in oneself is very important to me. And I think it starts from childhood really um, feeling safe, children who, I want to make sure that children believe that they can do things even when they're fearful that they go for it, because it doesn't mean, and I say this to them also to kids when I used to do presentations, it doesn't mean the first time you say I can, you're going to be able to do it, but it starts to snowball, okay, so you do it, maybe you make a mistake, but then you find the people that can help you, and that adds confidence you know, confidence comes from a lot of little successes, a lot of going right. for things, trying things, making mistakes, and then having that success. So for some reason, confidence and believing in ourselves is something that has always stuck with me. I think it's because I didn't have either growing up, and it was as an adult that I started finding my own voice and my confidence. So through those classes, I would see children who are going for things, who love themselves, who believe in themselves. And those children become adults who end up changing the world because they have that, that positive self-esteem in themselves. That, and that inspires other people. So that's right. exactly what I would see. Well, I've got that beautiful image of what you just created. I'm just moved by your, your passion, um, your dreams. I truly wish you the best of success, especially with your event and all that you've done. And uh, thank you so very much for sharing, sharing yourself for openly, uh, so openly here. And um, I look forward to seeing you uh, receiving more Guinness Awards and um, more records of impacting millions and millions of children. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye bye now.
Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.